Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Mo H., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Northern California. Today is Tuesday, May 22nd, the 10 a.m. East Coast Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 61, second paragraph. Our actor is self-centered through two paragraphs ending, placed us in a position to be hurt. And the comments will be on both paragraphs. Our uh, Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Eleanor F., the 12 Traditions, Leslie M., and readers of the text are John K., Terry A. H., and Sherry K. B. is our backup person. And Melanie C. is our newcomer greeter. The share ID for Monday, May 21st, 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 11,440. That is 11440. And for today, Tuesday, May 22nd, the 7 a.m. East Eastern Time Meeting is 11,443. That's 11443. Okay, OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for member members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask uh, Eleanor F. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everybody. This is Eleanor F. recovering in Memphis, Tennessee, the 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. (coughs) Excuse me, too. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service and for all your service. I pass. Thank you, Eleanor. Uh, and we will. I will now ask Leslie M. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Leslie M., recovered compulsive overeater from Long Island, New York. And Mo, I just want to thank you for your service. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are our trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Leslie M. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book, and we are on page 61, the second paragraph. Our actor is self-centered through two paragraphs ending with placed us in a position to be hurt, and the comments will be on both paragraphs. And I will now ask John Kay to start us off. Thank you, John. Thank you, Mom. John Kiernan, Recovered Compulsive Reader in Los Angeles. Our actor is self-centered. Egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays, he is like the retired businessman who lulls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation, the minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century, politicians and reformers who are all sure, who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave, the outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him, and the alcoholic who has lost all and is locked up. Whatever our protestations are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments, or our self-pity. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us, seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we have made decisions based on self which later placed us in a position to be hurt. Ah, I tell you, this this is one of the most important uh, parts of the big book and one of the most important sentences is selfishness, self-centeredness that we think is the root of our problems, trouble. Um, You know, I grew up in, well, there's a lot of parents and the world revolved around them and you know as a little kid I learned my lesson well you know and I went off into the world and it became all about me you know and and you know so many of the problems in my life came out of bad interactions with people you know and it was almost all based on my bad behavior and that bad behavior 
you know, almost invariably came uh, from my reaction to events or situations, and and often as a result of the over-evolved opinion of myself. You know, this self-centeredness is uh, looking back was one of the most destructive character defects I had, and and those. And these character defects, I heard somebody say once, they're the scar tissue we carry around from our earlier lives. And, you know, so what was behind all of that ego-driven character defect stuff? Well, I think the next sentence tells me, driven by a hundred forms of fear. You know, when I spent time later, once I got into recovery, looking at my character defects, I found if I scraped away all those layers, it all came down to fear, you know? Whether it would be like, you know, fear of not getting my fair share, fear of things not going my way, you know, fear of you not liking me, fear of not being perfect, uh, fear of not knowing, you not knowing, let's say, how, how great I was and how important I was. And, you know, and lots more of these bad behaviors came out of those types of fears. And what was the base fear under all of this, I think? For me, it was the fear of not being enough. You know, fear of not being good enough, fear of not being as good as you, you know, and I think probably most important to this narcissist was fear of not being seen as good enough. And, you know, underneath all that was the fact, I think, looking back, there was no me inside. You know, I had no self. I had no self-confidence. You know, none of that. You know, I was what you thought of me. I was what I thought you wanted me to be. You know, I was the typical egomaniac with an inferiority complex. And uh, it took a long time to get that worked out, you know, and it came from the obvious way of working on the steps. I had to keep working the steps, reading this book, and eventually I got a self. You know, I, I got to realize at the end of the day, especially through, you know, the fourth and fifth steps, I'm no better or no worse than anybody else. I'm... I'm just another bozo on the bus. You know, I'm just another grown-up kid walking around in an adult suit without that manual of life. You know, I'm just muddling through life. And, and finally, I think the most important thing is I found a higher power, you know, who loved me until I could love myself. And and at first, I didn't have that higher power, but I got it from you guys. You guys loved me until I could love myself. And then through the development of a higher power I found in this room, and one I carry with me constantly, uh, I'm, I'm not this gar- piece of garbage I always thought I was. And and um, I still do things wrong. I still think I don't want to. But I can realize I'm just, I'm, I'm, again, I'm that, that little kid in an adult suit muddling through life. And I can tell you, if this suck, sick puppy can get there, <laughs> anybody can. And with that, I pass. And thank you, John Kay. And I will now open the lines up for those of you who would like to care, uh, comment on these two paragraphs only. Yes. There was somebody that after Gina. There, there was somebody after Gina. Nope. Okay. Anyone else? Ramona A. Ramona A. I'll take one yes. more. Anyone else? Okay. We'll stop there. I have Terry. I didn't get your last initial, Terry. Liati D. Gina. Didn't get your last initial, Donna W., Beth L., and Ramona A. Terry, will you start us? Give me your last initial, first initial of your last name. Thanks. It's uh, it's Carrie S. in Colorado, gratefully recovered today. And um, living in the sunlight of the spirit, thank you, God. Um, Thank you for starting us off, John. Definitely the fear of not being enough, of not being seen as being enough, was was where I came from for sure always about me always thinking about myself so inconsiderate and and the disease would have me just stomping on the toes of my fellows until they retaliated um 
if you're struggling in this disease, it, it's it, the solution is to get out of ourselves and and think of the our higher power. Think of others. And I liked for for years I didn't understand what God with skin on meant. But if you don't have a higher power, it can be anyone in the room, anyone is, that is channeling this divine message from God, this sacred work that we do. And you know, the for me, the book has just come alive. Um, I'm so grateful not to be stuck in my self-centeredness, my selfishness, and um, because it is the root of all of my problems. And as a caregiver, um, you know, it's like, can I help you? Can I be of service? Well, what's my motive? I just want you to validate how great I am. And, you know, even though I think I'm being of service and I'm caring for you, um, it, my motive is selfish. And so um, my Ebby taught me to look at my motives. What is it that I want out of the situation? If it's self-serving, then I need to backpedal and and then try and help you. And that is what this program has taught me and has gotten me out of the food and out of the mental obsession. And I'm so grateful today to have entire abstinence. And so if you're struggling, just keep doing the work. It, it's sacred work we do. It's not easy. Without a Someone's unmuted. Uh, it's my turn, finished? right? Wait, Carrie, are you finished? Thank you, Carrie. All right, yes, D and followed by Gina. I'm going to move to this side. Sorry for the noise. Leatid uh, from Northern California. Good morning, everybody. Um, thank you, John. Um, I just, you know, I was thinking about this uh, lately about rigorous honesty. And this is what this big book reveals to me. You know, I have to, I had to look at myself earlier that I have some alert. There's some food that I can't eat. I can't touch. I have to have entire abstinence from, you know, I can't think for a, re- for a minute that they're, you know, the food that throw me off into a loop. Uh, is okay to eat. I can't. I can't have a door open to it. And here there's another truth about me, and, and these are just truths, you know, and if I really am rigorous, honest with myself and I look at my life, I can see that it's true, you know, that I am that person that is, you know, selfish and self-seeking, and I am driven by a 100 forms of fears. And I was reading the other day, and at 12 by 12, about fears, you know, you know, it's like these fears are the termites that ceaselessly devour the foundation of whatever sorts of life we try to build on. And that's what I, you know, I did not see those fears and how they're driving my life. And actually, not only that, I love that, you know, they're like termites eating the foundation of my home. I'm trying to build a home on a Rotten foundation on fear, you know, I'm putting new walls and maybe if I put a nice picture on it, I'll paint it, it'll be okay. But my, my house is falling down and I need to admit that this is what my basis is on my own. That's what I do. I live by fear, by selfishness, by self-seeking. And I need a power greater than me that will guide me and fill me and and move me, and speak for me, and all those things. I'm so grateful that that's what's coming next. I don't get to live my life this way. My house is built on stronger foundations now, and it's on God, and not on my, you know, termites that are ceaselessly devouring my house, you know. So I love this program. There's no other solution for me, and I'm so grateful and that's happening. Thank you, Layot, TD, Gina. Don't have the first initial of your last name, followed by Donna W. Uh, good morning, Mo. This is Gina R. R. Standing okay, for Recovered <laughs> from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And I'm a compulsive eater living in Green Valley, Arizona. Start my timer. I was that person who lived through a childhood 
that no one should have to experience. And because of what I was able to survive, I came through it thinking that I wasn't afraid of anything. If I could live what I lived through, I didn't have, I wasn't afraid. You could not scare me. Nothing could scare me. What I didn't understand, though, was it was denial. Don't even know I am lying. I didn't know that my attitude about fear was a coping mechanism that was way, way off the charts in terms of being healthy. I didn't know how to properly um, receive signals in my environment or now from what I know is my higher power of when I really needed to be afraid of something or have a healthy respect or fear of something. It wasn't until um, I got into my late 40s and early 50s where that facade of thinking I wasn't afraid of anything began to crumble. And thank goodness it did because as that happened, it allowed all of these other things to actually come to the surface. And by working these steps, I was able to understand that I had just lived my life uh, believing that I wasn't afraid of anything, but I was being run by fear like you wouldn't believe. And it did. It was. It was rooted in selfishness and self-centeredness. And so now I know that that fear really is a top-level emotion and the things that are underneath it, just as Liat was talking about, those are the things I really needed to be paying attention to. So my selfishness shows up like they didn't follow my script, wanting things my way, wanting special treatment, thinking I'm better, grandiose. I want what others have. I want to control. I want to dominate. I want to be the best. Uh, you know, it's, it's being self-righteous. Um, and then the dishonesty, um, you know, not seeing where I was at fault, um, breaking the rules, but expecting everybody else to keep them, um, the self-seeking behavior, be just being a complete manipulator and ignoring others' needs and definitely acting superior. Um, I really was frightened. I was frightened of being rejected and abandoned. And even though I said I didn't need you, I was terrified of being lonely. So thank goodness that I was able to put the food down, pick up these steps, have a guide, walk me through them, and then have my higher power show me spiritual experience that has resulted me being restored to sanity. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Gina R. Donna W. followed by Beth L. Thank you so much. This is Donna W. in Palo Alto, California. I'm really grateful for my abstinence and recovery today. And so I, I need to admit that I keep thinking, you know, my ego keeps grabbing on to thinking that this disease is a, it's all about the food and the weight. And I go into, like, if I could just control my food, then I'll be fine. If I can just lose weight, then I'll be fine. And then I lose weight and then I get cocky and go, okay, I got it. I'll take it from here, God. And I've done that several times in program. And, um, you know, the reading yesterday about, like, I, I have, my health hasn't been very good this year. And I've been indignant about that. Like, I'm indignant. And you know, the first time, a couple years ago in a big book study, this, this paragraph jumped out at me. Like, oh, my God, my self-centeredness will kill me. So, uh, and, and, that, and that my fear, you know, I know my, my life runs on fear, but that's all so self, it's all self-centeredness and self-pity. So I have been wallowing in self-pity, self-centeredness, indignant um, for that, you know, it's not so much trying to control other people's lives and running everyone else's show, but definitely trying to control my show. And I'm really just praying for the willingness, the humility to let go and let God today. You know, there's the I can't, God can, I'll let God like that. I can't, that's, that's where I'm stuck right now. Cause I am, I've been, I was raised to be so strong and independent and do a figure it all out myself. And I, I just like, I, I just hear myself going, I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. So for today, God can figure it all out. It really, help, really, really, really helps me. It's good to remind myself. I just need to do like the next hour. I can't even do a day at a time. Just the next hour, 
let God take care of the rest of the day. And then I can relax and take it easy and, and stop struggling and and um, not figure everything out and um, and be at peace. So thanks for listening, and I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Donna W. Beth L., followed by uh, Roma A. I think I have Roma A. Okay. Beth L. Hi, this is Beth L. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for your service and for being here today. I'm Beth L. from Maryland, a recovered compulsive overeater. And I would like to focus in on we invariably find that at some time in the past we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. And the reason I want to focus on this is it kept me stuck for a long time, this sentence, because I wasn't, I didn't get it. I thought, are they saying that I am to blame for being raped? Are they saying that I am to blame for what happened to me as a child? You know, is my brother to blame for his being abused? How can they say that I placed myself in a position to be hurt with those things? And I've heard other people now explain on the line um, how how we can interpret this. And thank God, um, years ago, I was taught by a, a guide that what this is talking about is that by clinging to that hurt in my mind, I mean, the, the guy is dead. So clinging to it in my mind is placing me in a position to continue to be hurt. Um, and so what I need to do is to um, go through these steps to do my inventory and actually I made amends to uh, several people who had hurt me badly, um, not in person because they weren't around, but but basically for hating them my whole life. And I have been freed to the extent I couldn't believe. Um, and so this selfishness and self-centeredness, I thought I needed to look for happiness. Um, because I'd been so wounded and so on, and I, I know I wasn't, I'm not the most wounded person on this line by far. But what I learned was that happiness truly comes from uh, putting myself in God's hands, in my higher power's hands, and looking for guidance for how I can be helpful today. How can I be useful today? And uh, I forgot to set my timer, so please I let me it. know when I'm out of time. Okay, thanks, Mo. Um, so for example, this morning I got up a raging addict, like I do most mornings. So sorry for myself. My mom died in November. She was my best friend. I can't live without her. I'm just sobbing and feeling terrible. And I did my morning program and I felt somewhat better and I listened to the meeting and I felt somewhat better. And then I got a call from a sponsee saying, I just went through something so hard. Can you talk to me? And I thought, oh, I can't do this. And by within two minutes, thank you, within two minutes, I felt better. And that's because existing to be useful has brought me true happiness because I get outside of myself. And thank you all. I pass. Thank you, Beth L. And it's Rona A. Hi, uh, this is Ramona A. Can you Ramona hear me? Ramona A. Thank you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I was doing a shorthand here. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, you're not the first, so. All right. <laughs> so, thank you. Um, so I'm Ramona A. Recovered in Vermont, and I know the the sentence. Every time I hear this, you know, it all of it means a lot to me, but. It's that idea that I'm doing something that puts me in a position to be hurt. And the first time I heard that, it was like, you know, my I was just startled. And I said, how can that be, you know, and all the things that have happened to me? And I have to say, I did not grow up with all of the problems that other people have. My parents weren't alcoholic or ill or, you know, and abusive or something like that, but just uh, being the only person in the family who has this illness, I thought, 
you know, why me, you know. It's, um, so I felt sorry for myself, and then when I married, I married somebody who has the same illness in another form and didn't know about it, you know, and neither did he. And after years of living with that, I really was, I was angry more than I knew I could be angry. I didn't even know how angry I was, and I didn't have my feelings and whatever. Um, and it was all his fault. Everything was all his fault. You know, he didn't love me. So as we got into recovery, thank goodness we did, and then I heard this, I said, oh, my land. And going through the steps, going through the fourth step, and the, now the tenth step, and several four steps to really take care of all the resentment, to really understand, to really forgive, to really see my part in it. You know, where was I to blame for what I was feeling, for what happened to me? And I can see it now, you know, and um, we are, we're still very, very happily married now, both in recovery, and it's wonderful, but it's because of these steps because we both understand now about the program. And, yeah, all of that is people have, everything people have said this morning just um, touches me so much because I relate so much. But I know that one piece was a key to my healing, to understanding that I had had some part in it. And the key to my changing so that I can look at you know, the the big, big um, things, I can look at what is happening to me and say, how am I responding, you know, and do a 10th step if it's not appropriate and accept and talk to other people so that I can say, okay, this is my part in it and I can do something different, you know, I can change and how much peace comes from that you know I just say for anyone who is starting out in this and working it just work it all because it is so worth it so with that I pass thank you and thank you Ramona A and I will now open the lines up for more people to share Ori B Los Angeles Corey oh Ray oh Ray okay Lydia W. from Texas. Gotcha, Lydia. Thank you. Jody Harry E.Q. Jody E.Q. Craig B. Craig B. There was somebody Terry A.H. Cherry K.B. Cherry K.B. Cat K. What was that? Cat. Okay, we'll stop yeah. there. Okay, we'll stop there. Um, Terry A.H. Terry KB. Okay, here's who I have. Oray B, Lydia W, Jody EQ, Greg B, Terry A H, Sherry KB, and Kat K. All right, we'll see if we can get you all in. Oray B, you start us off. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I'm really appreciating this conversation this morning in this reading. Um, you know, early on in program, you know, I... I I had an intellectual grasp of what I was reading um, when I when I read this, but I didn't really fully understand the extent of my self-centeredness, my selfishness. And you know, then there was a time where you know I read this, read this, and used this as um, as a means to um, even hate myself more, you know, and just beat me over the head with this with the message. Um, and I still didn't have an understanding of it. And you know, now fast forward to today, and um, in this in this time around, what I'm like, what I'm saying is like this. You know, this is this is I've been operating um, under this mode for a long time, and this is just the best way that I could get through life. Um, you know, just grinding for mine, survival mode, um, trying to wrestle um, and get what I wanted out of life. Um, because of, you know, what I thought I needed. And just like I thought I needed um, the amount of food that I was eating two years ago to survive, 
um, I learned a new way. And now I'm starting to see that, you know what, these ways that I've been um, dealing in life, well, maybe there's a different way. Maybe, you know, maybe this this self-centered approach and me grinding for mine and trying to get everything that I think I need or want is not the best approach. And like this reading is, uh, and, and just my experience right now, I'm really learning that, you know what, maybe, um, maybe there's just a better way. And I'm starting to learn, like, like this isn't, you know, this 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 selfishness and self-centeredness. Maybe, like, maybe I don't have to, maybe don't have, I have to be like that anymore. And um, I'm just really grateful because I I, just, I can just feel the burden lifting, um, and it really is getting not easier, but just things are more manageable um, when I'm getting out of myself and and I'm really trying to align myself with that of my higher power and uh, just relying upon that guidance and trying to get better in that and trying to get closer to that instead of just me, you know, conjuring up these these things out of my head and saying, okay, this is the way it is. Um, And I I can't trust everything that goes on in my mind. I just can't. Um, And, uh, yeah, thank you for letting me talk. Thank you, O'Ray. Uh, Lydia W. followed by Jody E.Q. Good morning. Um, I was reading this and that section that says sometimes they hurt us seeming without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. Well, um, I felt that I, too, am in a caring position, and sometimes the people that I cared for would snap at me or fuss at me. And the thing that I was forgetting at the time was they were hurting, and I was busy trying to look good in their eyes, in my boss's eyes. And I was more concerned about my schedule and how far I had to travel to see them um, rather than really hearing what they had to say so that by the time I got to them, they they were snapping my head off. And this section I would read and I'd go, I did not ask. For that, you know, I didn't ask for them to um, yell at me or come at me, but that was the problem, was it was me, me, me. And deep inside, I knew that the selfishness was the problem, but I couldn't wrap my head around what it was that I had done wrong. And in listening to people share today, you know, I, I think I shared before that I am not a people person. If you were my patient, I could, I would try very hard to get along with you, but otherwise, not at all. Um, and so in looking at this, I'm slowly seeing, and like I'm, I'm a slow learner in this way, that my self-delusion of the world revolving around me because I can only see out of my own eyes, that sort of me, me, me is something that needs to go. So that's why I'm in these rooms and enjoy hearing and hope that I can soak in everything that is taught to me. Maybe not all at once, but I hope to uh, hear a lot more good stuff because I'm starting to see. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Lydia. Jody EQ, followed by Greg B. Thank you, Mo, for your service. This is Jody EQ in California, in uh, cool, drizzly California. So I uh, appreciate everyone's share. 
Yeah, the psychic change that we talk about, I think, has a lot to do with my going from a place of self-pity and a victim role to realizing my part in things, from realizing that I, too, may be a a narcissist. Thank you for using that word, John. Gosh, it had never occurred to me that I might be a narcissist. But when I'm vigorously honest with myself, have I not been? You know, I thought I knew what I wanted in life, and I tried to get it. And I stepped on the toes, mostly of my husband, and he retaliated. And he looked like the narcissist to me. But he was retaliating. He was responding to my selfishness. If I had been generous, patient, loving, and kind, he wouldn't have acted the way he did. So the psychic change is realizing that my only, my only chance, really, of recovery is ceasing to blame others and to turn that pointed finger around to myself, turn that magnifying glass around and make it a looking glass. What is my part? How can I change? Because I'm the only person I can change. And then I can begin to recover in the true sense of the word. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jody EQ, Greg B, followed by Terry A.H. Hey, thank you, Mo. Thank you, everybody, for this great meeting, John, for your reading and and your share. Uh, This is the part of the big book when I first read it many, many years ago. I'm Greg B., a compulsive eater, uh, food addict, uh, recovered in California, recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Self-centeredness, that, we think, is the root of our troubles. hundred forms of fear. I'm running through some fear now, and I have to go through... uh, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth on it. Uh, it, and it creeps up. It's not something that just disappears. You know, we're all going to die. We all experience things in our lives, uh, unexpected things that I didn't plan. I want to be the puppet master. I want to. I want to be kind and loving and caring for people to get in, in my natural state before program. I want. I, these were all tactics. These were all things that I did. Service. You know, so I could get recognition or I could get some outcome that I wanted because I was afraid I wasn't going to get what I want. So I was going to be really nice and do all this service and don't you know and look at me, look at me. And even in program when I was stark raving abstinent, you know, look at me, I lost all this weight. You know, look at me, you know, that's all it really was about. I'm sponsoring people and I'm, you know, I have all these sponsees and I'm, I'm doing all this stuff and I'm, I'm, don't you know, don't you know. Again, it was fear of not being recognized because I want to be the center of attention. I'm not the center of attention. Everybody else is their own center of attention. <laughs> if there's one thing I've learned in program, there are, you know, we are definitely self-centered. There's no doubt about that in my experience. And why not? I am, you know. Um, now why don't you tell me about what you think about me? Yeah, that was my modus operandi. It still can be when I fall off track. When I fall into the blame game, yeah, no, I'm not. No, I don't. I don't do that. No, I don't. Look at me. Look at all the program I have. I don't do that. You know, the more I defend myself, you know, the more bigger, bigger hole I dig in relationships. But you know what? We have to put quit playing God. It doesn't work. And God, self pity. So you know, self pity. I thought that that was okay. You know, it's self centeredness. It's just, it's another extreme degree, and it should be classified with stealing because we're stealing from what we can contribute to life. However, big turnaround. We can use these steps. We can help each other. Believe in God? Don't believe in God? doesn't matter. Just believe that you're not God. Clearly, I'm not God. And that's the starting point. And then there is a power greater than me, and it ain't Greg. And that's a great starting point. Now, clearly food is stronger than me. You know, look at my body when I came in here. You know, uh, even after I'd been here for a while and relapsed, you know, look at look at that. I'm a volume eater, so it, it, it's not like I was hiding it. Um, you know, we all have have those things. So just 
get it out, work with somebody, and, and get advice of a sponsor as well because I wanted to make amends for all these things that really weren't big deals. They were just big deals to me, and I didn't need to, like, create a tornado in the lives of others to dump all my stuff to feel better. No, 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 no. It's about me. Resentments are about me. They're all about me. It's all my part. They aren't, like, their part, my part. It's all my part because that's what I'm concerned with here. Fine. Is, thank you. Cleaning myself from the inside out. So thank you. Appreciate that. I will stop. Greg B. in California. Thanks. Thank you, Greg. Terry A.H., followed by Sherry K.B. Good morning, everyone. My name is Terry A.H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. And I always like to go back to the first paragraph um, and how it applies to me. And I always call this paragraph the self-centered attitude paragraph because it's five places where they talk, where he gives us a description of of the self-centered attitudes. And I just want to kind of go through them, you know, how they apply to me without reading the whole thing. I'll just bullet point. But it says, the retired tired businessman who lows in the sunshine who complains about the nation so that's for me it's like complaining about the world but I don't go vote all right or I don't try to make a difference and then we have the minister who signs over the sins so we're talking about you know rather than taking taking care of my own spiritual life I'm judging others for theirs and then we have the politician and the reformers who who would uh, are sure that all would be utopia meaning you know, I buy the lie that, you know, your life would be better and it would be a perfect world if you would just behave the way that I wanted you to. And then we have um, the outside, the outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him. So meaning, you know, the world's out to get me and you owe me and I'm going to get it, you know, how I think I need it. And then we have the last one, the alcoholic who has lost all and is all locked up, meaning, um, you know, I, I apply this, you know, I didn't do anything wrong and why am I here? not taking responsibility. And then the end of it, it says, whatever our protestations or whatever our disagreements are, most of us concerned with ourselves or myself, meaning me, my resentments, me, or my self-pity, me. So um, I always, you know, I always say, you know, if it wasn't for self-pity, I wouldn't get any pity at all because I give it to myself. And then they finish up with the selfishness, self-centeredness, that is the root of our troubles. And the best best definition that I, I heard for the selfishness and the self-centeredness is selfishness, it's mine, and you can't have it. Self-centeredness, it's yours, and I'll get it. Thanks for letting me share. With that, I'll pass. Uh, thank you, Terry A.H., Sherry K.B., uh, followed by Kat K. If you each take two minutes, I think we can fit you both in. Hi, this is Sherry KB in Northern California, a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you so much for your service, Mo, and everybody on the line. Welcome, newcomers, and I'll just get straight to the point. You know, the bottom line is is that this is information that tells me that if I want to get healed, I need to do the steps. This is all about what I've been like before I got into the step work, and that the only way I'm going to change, and I cannot change myself, only my higher power can change me, and that's through working the steps and getting unblocked and connecting with my higher power. And um, I never thought I was a selfish person, and um, little did I know that somebody talked about narcissism, and I want to talk about negative narcissism because I thought it was all about me. I always took things personally and thought, you know, you were doing this to me, quote, unquote. And all I always do is people-pleasing, but I little did I know that when I was people-pleasing, I was stepping on the toes of my fellows, and they retaliated. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Sherry. Thank you for keeping it short. Kat K., you're on. Kat K., star one, to unmute. Okay, if Kat K doesn't come on, somebody could have a quick two minutes. Okay, well, I guess I'll take it. Hadn't planned on sharing. Great shares this morning. Hi, I'm Mo H., recovered compulsive eater and sugar addict from Northern California. 
Oh yes, selfishness and self-centeredness is the root was the root of my troubles, and I never wanted to look at myself. It was always someone else, always uh, what they were doing, what they weren't doing, how they were doing it, how they weren't doing it, and I still even get into that situation sometimes today. Um, and it wasn't until I really started working these steps really deeply within my own heart that I started to look at my part and I did the fourth step with the columns and uh, my sponsor had me focus on the last column rather than the middle three columns of being selfish, uh, dishonest, self-seeking and fearful. And of course I didn't want to look at my part. I didn't want to see what was going on. I always wanted to point my finger at you and I was uh, Jody said, "If I'm pointing, I think it was Jody pointing the finger out, and there was three pointing back at me. So I started looking at my part. I started being more aware. I started being more conscious, and I started hearing myself and noticing some of my behaviors. And then step six and seven, asking God to remove them as God would. And then uh, eight and nine, making my amends, and then getting to ten, which keeps me constantly looking at." Where am I being selfish, dishonest, resentful, and fearful uh, on a daily basis, sometimes many times throughout the day? Um, and so now I try not to step on the toes of others so that they retaliate. And if I do, I make my amends right away. And I think I'll stop because we're just about at that time. And thank you all for sharing. Um, thank you for Team Tuesday. And we will close with... My computer just went to sleep with uh, Terry A.H. reading uh, A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggested only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in the morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Get freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you.